Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. He's blocking. Go. Oh, hit at the one and didn't get in. Oregon's defensive line got off some blocks. Brandon Dorless slayed. Oregon with a huge stop on the goal line. And how about this? A Gallup poll finds President Trump to be the most admired man of 2020. 18% of Americans naming him as their pick, ending Barack Obama's 12-year run. He, by the way, got 15% of the vote. When broken down by party, 48% of Republicans named Donald Trump their most admired man, compared to just 13% of Democrats naming Joe Biden. Every year, Gallup puts out its list of the most admired men and women in America. This year, the winners of those two groups have the same last name. Barack and Michelle Obama took the top two spots. It was President Obama's 11th win in a row, but a first for the former first lady. Oprah was in second place. Hillary Clinton, who had held the top spot for 17 years, came in third, tied with Melania Trump. President Trump was second among the men. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It is the 3rd of January, year of our Lord, 2021. And that intro is the only good soundbite I could get from a horrible outing by my Ducks. They got housed by Iowa State. Not a very good team. Fair, not a very good year. They may may have won the Pac-12 championship by uh, Asterisk, but that shit don't fly, Haas. And then Gallup poll, President Trump, most admired man. Every media source ignored it. Because why would they not ignore it? It goes against the concept that, oh, wow, Biden got 80 million votes. America loves him. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, no. So... Anyway, if you were paying attention and you're following on YouTube, which I hope you are, put out a show yesterday. Uh, it's a little over an hour. It has a little bit of what we're going to do today, but it's on different subjects. But today we will do a little intro with some interesting stuff, and then we'll head into 2020 and Awoke. So that's pretty much the podcast in a nutshell. I hope you'll follow both shows. Every Sunday will be a video show from now on. And uh, we'll do our audio during the week. Um, this weekend we just did a little differently. I'm going to do it on a Sunday because I'm used to my Sunday schedule. But uh, it was a little bit of fun. Got some kinks worked out. I'd like to give a shout out to uh, my son first, uh, Zach in Tennessee. Happy birthday. It was your birthday yesterday. Hit officially 31. A shout out to my sister for helping me with the uh, the new video. Uh, she gave me some ideas and uh, is an executive producer and so is my brother Matt in Oregon. Uh, great idea yesterday so I'm not hanging up a TV or anything. I'm just going to use OBS which lets you play a video montage while you're simultaneously capturing video. So 
already made a Democrat bumper and uh, our background, and I made a violence background because we seem to always head back into those things. And as time goes on, we'll just do the same thing. It's kind of fun. So uh, I am so disgusted with football, not only for the Ducks, and it's a weird way to start the show, but um, if you were paying attention, here's uh, something that was pretty fucking ugly. Let's listen. They split up into shirts versus skins, and they had a flex off, and the I'm tougher than you off. Everyone just saying, you think you're tough. Wait till you see me. I'm tough. These dudes almost kissed, but then decided that we were going to flex instead. This guy comes in for a flex behind him, and he actually wins the flex off, in my opinion. So this is pregame. They played the game. Boring. Here's an onside kick. Bottom of the screen, if you missed it, play it again here. Bottom of the screen absolutely gets laid out. Number 40, bam, knocks number five on his ass. Probably wins him. Make sure his team recovers the kick and then turns back around and says, ha, 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 told you. But that, that doesn't feel good, but it felt good for me. And the refs throw flags and say, this is John Boy. Number two, J-O-M-B-O-Y. Up his helm- I'm going to fast in. forward. He's what happens. Good game, coach. I'm going to go shower. My vibe just kind of got ruined. So now they're dapping up. They're saying hi. They're saying good game. No, they're screaming and yelling. They're like, pregame was fun. Let's do pregame again where we just yell at each other, and then they just yell at each other. Now, kudos to the coaches. They're putting up a good wall here, number 40. You can see him screaming and yelling, saying, get out of here. Number nine in the sweatpants, Russell. He's like a a main player in this kind of. And nothing is really happening yet. And now we're going to get the first time where the line gets crossed and the contact is made on the bottom right there. Number 15 from Tulsa gets pushed back by number 30-something. And then on top of the screen, you got Russell in the sweatpants going after that dude's face mask. And now there's so much jostling it's on. Number 13 says, give me my helmet. I'm going to put it on. Number 7 here, he's got no helmet. Number 7 on white. He turns around. He says, yo, where's my helmet? Where's my helmet? teammate hands him his helmet left screen here puts his helmet on now he's ready to go to war so this is when it really starts number seven helmet on number 13 helmet on and everyone just starts going crazy and pushing and punching number seven gets dropped to the ground he gets towel whipped kicked here let's watch it again so he's on the ground now number 13 comes with a big towel whip and then number four comes with a kick to the shoulder and then number four runs away number seven okay that's about all it's a funny take on it but if you watch this, this was highly inappropriate. I mean, these guys acted like thugs. Just thugs and went after each other and after each other. And it's a Mike Leach team. This was his reply. This is a football game, so we're not going to be tearing cloth over this. Somebody went to a football game and somebody got hit. You know, there's a point to where I'm not going to lose my mind over it. What they did was horrible. And and what's worse afterwards, the one guy that kicked the dude in the face, well, here's his locker room bullshit. Hey, hey, hey MVP. MVP. Yo, come here, bitch. Get your little ass down. Go back. Watch, watch our slamming day. Watch our, watch our slamming day. Come here. Go back. Watch out, I slap. Yo, I go hard. Why did? Why did? 
Why didn't we leave? Fo, get your bitch ass down. Kick his ass. Bitch, go weak ass. Get out of there. Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm really cool because I kicked a guy in the face and then I ran away. Here's Kirk Herbstreet. He covered it. As it escalates in the first quarter, into the second quarter, and the chirpiness, and all this just keeps building. The, eventually, the players will police it themselves. And, and we've all seen that, maybe not to this extreme. So the officials have to have more authority for us to be able to say that we got a, a better feel for this. If the coaches, Mike Leach should be embarrassed. His post-game interview and what he said, hey, it's football. Hey, it's physical. It's going to happen. Are you kidding me, Mike? You should be embarrassed about your program and what it did. And then after the game, the guy's being proud, high-fiving, walking off. This is a black eye for the sport. Maybe you don't care about the sport, dude. I, I mean, that's that's it's it's as bad as it can be watching that for people that are sitting around watching college football and that breaks out. I mean, it's just another it's another black guy for the college for college football. I rarely agree with that guy because I can't stand him and he's a total homer. But it was trash. It was out and out trash. What the fucking hell was that? That's. Our society. On the video show, I covered uh, uh, Teacher of the Year. And it's almost unbelievable that that's pretty much where we're at. It's, It's what we do. We are a society that believes certain people can do whatever the hell they want. This is the National Teacher of the Year. Who are Mitch McConnell's neighbors? I'm just saying Rand Paul's neighbors did what a true Kentucky hero should do. It's your turn to step up. That's that's 2020 in a nutshell. 2020 in a nutshell. That's where we're at. So when we go to this, hey... Trump's the most admired, some liberal comes out and does another one. He makes his own. He calls out that only 115K people voted, uh, that it's Dominion run. I mean, all this crazy shit. Because they can't even let that stuff go. Because, no, no, we hate those people. We hate them. That's what we do. We just hate people. And now it's not even just Republicans. One of the big things that happened this way this week is that Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell's houses were vandalized by fucking leftists. Maju Raju, Mitch McConnell's Louisville home and Nancy Pelosi's San Francisco Home, both were vandalized in the last two days. Other, Anna Cabrera. Uh, they were vandalized this weekend, according to police. Police respond to Pelosi's home early Friday morning and to Mitch McConnell on Saturday. On her door, sack, cancel, rent, we want everything. A fucking pig head. The message spray painted on Pelosi's garage door referenced the 2,000 COVID payments and a pig head covered in fake blood was placed in the front.
They covered it with garbage bags. That's how they fixed it. But as you can tell, they spent more time on Nancy Pelosi's. They didn't, they didn't really care about, you know, Mitch McConnell, because Mitch McConnell's a bad guy. You know, we can't like Mitch McConnell. Why, why would we like Mitch McConnell? He's a piece of shit. They need to get control of their people. And at this time, in a normal podcast, I would play the soundbite of them actually calling for violence. But I won't. Because I played it a million times. But we wonder why we have problems. We have the left calling for violence. All the time. When we do the runoff today, a short check section, now it's un-American to question elections. The hypocrisy with the media and the Democrat gets people to do dumb shit. But before we do it, I usually don't watch fill-ins on TV shows. But Mark Stein's takedown of Eric Solwell is just too good not to play. In the most cunning conspiracy of all, presidential candidate and House Intelligence Committee big shot Eric Swalwell warned us of the dangers of glamorous, exotic foreign spies plying their sexual wares. I want to talk about the Kremlin playbook. And there are a number of ways that a foreign adversary could seek to influence a person. Do you agree with that? Yes. Financial? Yes, that can be one. Uh, Romance, you said, is another? Yes. Compromise? Correct. Setting up a compromise? Sure, to execute on a compromise, yes. How about inadvertently capturing a compromise? Meaning they have vast surveillance and you stumble into that surveillance and are caught in a compromise. And then they take that information and try and use it to coerce you? Yeah, that's part of the playbook. Yeah, but then it turned out Eric Swalwell himself had been penetrated by Chinese intelligence, which is impressive because he's never before shown any sign of being penetrated by any intelligence. Yet a Chinese spy was able to get to Swalwell and play his record player all night long, if you know what I mean, till his poor old needle wore out. Meet the crack Chinese agent dispatched by Chairman Xi. The name's Fang. Fang, fang. You only fang twice. It comes back to the media. If you're not going to hold both sides accountable, once again, if a Republican was fucking fang, fang, how would it be covered? It's not even in the news. You know what is in the news? Presidential historian for NBC, Andrew Johnson, insisted that when he died in 1875, he should be buried swaddled in American flag with his head on a copy of the Constitution. But as a lame duck president leaving office, even Andrew Johnson never tweeted heroic videos about himself. Yeah, that's that's our media. Yeah. And then when you start talking truth, like Nikki Haley, 
Nikki Haley, 2020 was the year socialism went mainstream. The dangerous ideology, which has failed everywhere and has been tried and ruined countless lives, is on its way to become the default economic policy of the Democratic Party. This terrifying trend threatens the future of every American. That is a factual tweet. Kyle Griffin from MSNBC, none of this is true. It seems Nikki Haley is once again more interested in scaring Americans than telling the truth. BWH, my man took producer from MSNBC Gab Hour and puffed that shit all the way out until he declared himself Twitter supreme arbiter of truth. Journalists openly defending collectivism. And that's the key thing. They will back up everything. Jake Tapper, the American people are suffering through the deadliest month of the pandemic and the president's retweeting mean treats about me. Here comes Jake, yeah, but. Dana Dana Loesch. Jake, we've already gone along, but I know you realize that a town enduring a heartbreaking tragedy and CNN created an entire town hall around it that made mean tweets look like child play. We'll never forget that, folks. If you think we will, you're just wrong. Because that's how we started this shit show. That's how we started it. You people at CNN... Let kids say, burner, she's a witch. Just because somebody doesn't like guns. I'm shocked. Former Voxer Matt Inglesi offers a glimpse into how Vox handles inconvenient truths. Matt Inglesi is on progressive ca- catastrophism. A real problem in policy work. Basically, the understanding is that whoever can paint the darkest possible portrait of the status quo is the one who's showing the most commitment to the cause. Matt Inglesi on resistance at Vox to an inconvenient truth. In late May, I ran into an accidental intra-office controversy by pitching a piece about how police killing of African Americans have become less common since Ferguson. This idea was viewed as dismissing the problem. That's every news agency we have. Murders are up. I mean, for fuck's sake, 769 homicides in Chicago. 769 in one year. That is insane. But what are our ruling class doing? Proposed House rules eliminate gender terms like father and daughter. That's 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 that that's a real thing, folks. That that's a real thing. Which uh, shout out to uh, Boss in uh, New York. He gave me this thing, Grounded News. Um. The only thing I don't like about it, it's hard to get to the actual article. It's it's kind of a pain in the ass. Um, let me see if I can actually get the article to open up. No, I can't get it. But basic premise is, here, there you go. I got it. Read more. Bingo. No, that's not it. It's a, it's a tough website to use because you try to get to the articles and it just 
kicks you the fuck out. I don't... Let's try to get this. Uh, won't give me read more. We're still trying to work this thing out. Work with me now. Uh, UPI. Source. No. 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 Boom! Finally got through the barricade. You gotta hit the read button. Wow. Proposed changes to the rules of the House representative would honor all gender identities by eliminating such specific terms as mother, father, son, and daughter, aunt, and uncle. Instead, only general neutral terms such as parent, child, sibling, parent, sibling, will be allowed in the text of the House rules according to the proposed change. Proposed change, which also include the establishment of the House Office of Diversity and Inclusion, we voted on in the 117th Congress. Another rule change will prevent Republicans from amending a bill at the last minute. Just Republicans. Democrats can't. But that's how much this is. You know, we say it on the show. We say it over and over and over and over and over. That the left hates Christians. They hate religion. So they created their own. It's called intersectionality. And it's a cult. We're now going to have the Congress of the United States. You can't use mom. Are you fucking shitting me? But they don't care. Sam Stein, the Biden transition team appears to have disabled public chat function on his transition Zoom calls, a place why and others had routinely complaining to them to take more questions. Czar Beckett Adams. Oh, wow. Who could have seen this coming? Other than the people who remember the Obama-Biden admin wiretap Jay Rosen. James Rosen. Help the free press. That big, wet, beautiful bulwark of my democracy is being disrespected by the guy with a long, long, long track record of disrespecting the free press. Steve Guest, live look at Biden team, shredding any semblance of transparency. Red states, you'll voice some mild displeasure as you're doing now, and you'll move on as if this has been a pattern of behavior you guys enabled all through the election, which is so true. The entire election, you allowed him to do whatever the fuck he wanted. Officially a newsletter for Democrat activists. Meet the guest contributors for Politico Playbook. Alex Weprin. Little bit of news. Politico is having Don Lemon, Chuck Todd, Yamichi Alcinder, and Kara Swisher, among others, fill in the writers of Playbook until it locks in its new team. Playbook is now officially a newsletter for Democrat activists. Because all those people are Dem activists. Remember, Politico started... It started as a neutral thing. But then they could only get on TV on MSDNC, so they tilted their coverage to lefties, and they were in. Axios. DC is becoming a hotbed... A violent protest between far-right extremists and counter-protesters. Counter-protesters. 
That's our media. That's our media. Whenever the right even protests, they're far right. Whenever the left protests, they're Americans. They're just just such great people. No mocking CNN on Facebook. Humorless USA Today fact check intern squashes it. David Bazell, the son of MRC founder and president Brent Bazell, called me the other day to, to bring my attention to USA Today fact check that blocks a meme on Facebook pages that group for America. It's humorous CNN mocking meme of only 15 words. 2016 media, Russia stole the election. 2020 media, our elections are literally impossible to steal. For, for America's added Facebook message was simple. The media are a virus. Any conservative critic of CNN gets a joke. For years, journalists aerobically implied that Donald Trump was involved in a conspiracy with the Russians to get himself elected. And now journalists have hyped that the government expert insists after Joe Biden won that this was the most secure election ever. But USA Today flagged it was false, causing Facebook to pull the false information warning on it. We rate the claim the media said Russia stole the 2016 election and now say the 2020 election is impossible to steal false because it's not supported by our research. Analysts of major outlet coverage of both elections showed journalists reported that Russia sought to negatively influence American perspective of Hillary Clinton leading up to the 2016 election and that there is no evidence to suggest there was widespread fraud in the 2020 presidential election. These media reports are consistent on with the conclusion reached by U.S. officials. And that's the perfect example of how fucked up we are. I mean, it's just how fucked up we are. They literally can rewrite history. Like COVID, Dr. Russeller, why'd you delete? Ariana Graney, have been in line for an hour and 40 minutes all to get my COVID vaccine. As a photojournalist, I'm deemed essential by my country. But she complained when people are dying everywhere and supposedly we're all going to die if we don't get this. That's what she's looking at while... The Senate of New York has done this. Dr. David Samaldi, this is a bill up for consideration in New York State in regards to COVID-19. I'm going to pull it up and read it because it is just shocking. An act is to amend the public health law in relation to the removal of cases, contacts, and carriers of communicable diseases who are potentially dangerous to the public. The people of the state of New York, representing the Senate and Assembly, do enact the following. One, the public health law is amended by adding a new section. Removal and detention of cases, contacts, and carriers who are or may be a danger to public health. The provision of this section shall be utilized in the event that the governor declares a state of health emergency due to an epidemic of any communicable disease. Now, I want you to really think about that. The state of New York is now saying, if you came in contact with somebody, you're going to be detained 
and arrested. Really think about that. These people are releasing African-American criminals because they say they're at risk of getting COVID in jail. Now you're going to throw people in jail with COVID, but they're white, so who fucking cares? Right? Is that where we're at? I mean, is that where we're at? What the fucking actual fuck is that? Detain people? That's fucking insane. But it's not insane when you're part of a cult. When you're part of a cult, you do stuff like this. Lauren Robert. 21 Democrats wrote a letter to Nancy Pelosi asking her to stop me from being able to carry on Capitol Hill. I choose to defend my family and my life with all the force the Constitution provides. I'm honored that 82 of my colleagues have decided to stand with me. Ryan Scott, if you had the benefit of good arguments, you wouldn't need guns. What a bunch of cowards. Thank God our founding fathers had good arguments to win the Revolutionary War. Give me the secret debate line of offer. (coughs) Excuse me. Rioters. Sorry about that. Give me the secret debate line to offer rioters and looters when they break into my house, please. Rufus Joachim, in any scenario where Miss Roberts needs to use that gun for self-defense, a good argument isn't going to help. And it goes on and on. But there's such a cult that they feel the need to stop a person from legally carrying a gun if she so chooses. Really think about that. <clears throat> now, odds on she's not going to carry it in the building, but she's going to carry it in Washington, D.C. when she's walking around because Washington, D.C.'s crime rate went up 18%. If you watch the YouTube show, I, I covered the crime rate, murder rate of every major city, and in every case, they all went up. So it's a dangerous place. But that's the left. That's how they are. They can do whatever they want during elections. They can fucking say you're illegitimate. They can play all the games they want, and the media let them. And they can tell you how to live, detain people because they got, they came in contact with somebody, but who the fuck are you to, to use your Second Amendment right? I mean, for fuck's sake, they overwrote every state law on marriage. And that's constitutional. But carrying a gun... Oh, you're just a goddamn evil person. So, let's go into our runoff. Wow, this is getting rather chippy. If you know this thing along... When rapper BRS Cash headlined a get-out-the-vote event for John Ossoff and Raphael Warnock, he edited the lyrics of his song, Throat Baby, to Vote Baby. The real lyrics, as heard on the music video, are far too vulgar, 
for this program. As are many of his past tweets about women, police officers, and sex. Is it an accident or rape? LOL, wrote Cash in a screenshot of this 2012 tweet. This is who Georgia Democrats Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff have headlined their event today. Will they denounce this disgusting individual, wrote Nathan Brand of the National Republican Senatorial Committee. Ossoff and Warnock have ignored repeated requests from... Now, surprisingly, this is a dual subject. Eleven Republican senators led by Ted Cruz will object to Electoral College certification. Eleven Republican senators led by Ted Cruz announced Saturday they would object to certification on January 6th. Congress should immediately appoint an electoral commission with full investigatory and fact-finding authority to conduct an emergency 10-day audit of election returns in disputed states, a statement co-signed by Cruz and 10 other GOP congressmen. Once, or Senator, excuse me, once completed, individual states should evaluate the commission finding and convene a special legislative session to certify a change in their vote if needed. Accordingly, we intend to vote on January 6th to reject the electors from disputed states as a not regular, given, and lawful certified unless and until the 10-day emergency audit is completed. The other six Republican senators who co-signed the statement are Wisconsin Senator John Ron Johnson, Senator James Lankford, Senator Steve Daines, John Kennedy, Marsha Blackburn, Mike Braun. They were joined by four Republican senator-elect, Cynthia Loomis, Roger Marshall, Bill Haggerty, and Tommy Tuberville. Their joint announcement follows Missouri's John Hockley, who announced on the 30th that he would object to the certification as well, and it's gotten way bigger. But what did our media do? Oh my God, they they fucking lost their shit. Medea Hassan attacked Hockley, but Hockley is also a calculating politician who made believe his position himself for presidential run in the post-Trump era, and he has decided the best way to do that is to show that he's willing to overturn a democratic election and American democracy itself in order to keep Republicans in power. Wow, unprecedented. Hardly. All Sasan had to do was take a quick jump in time machine, trip back to January 2005, when Congress was meeting to certify the Electoral College vote that gave 2004 election to President George W. Bush over Kerry. There, plain as day, was then California Senator uh, Barbara Boxer and Stephanie Tubbs, over in the House, both objecting to the acceptance of Ohio electoral votes. Why? The two insisted there was widespread in irregularities. But, yeah. You can't do that now. Eric Solwell, name and shame these enemies of democracy. Political bunny. You banged a Chinese spy. Maybe set this one out, Sparky. (laughs) And then something crazy happened. And it's going to affect where I shop from now on. Now, do I think this is good politics? I don't know. I'm not a politician. All I know is, at the end of the day, this election was stolen. Anybody with an IQ above a potato knows it. 
anybody that's been paying attention to this whole process knows there's no fucking way almost 80 million people voted for Biden. He couldn't get 12 people to show up in a parking lot. So no, I don't think it's a real election, but I don't know if this is a smart thing to do because the only way you pull this off, unfortunately, in our fucked up world is to get the media on board. You got to sell it. But a majority of Americans believe the election was stolen. That's even with Democrats saying it. So our media is just doing their usual panning over what they don't want to talk about. But when corporations get involved, I got major problems. Josh Hockley, millions of voters concerned about the election integrity deserve to be heard. I will object to January 6th. Walmart, go ahead. Get your two-hour debate. Now the reply from the corporation The tweet was mistakenly posted by a member of our social media team who intended to publish this comment to their personal account. We removed the post and have no intention of commenting on the subject of certifying the Electoral College. We apologize to Hockley for this error and confusion about our position. No. 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 No, no, no. No, no, no. You don't get to go back now. You don't get to go back. Because the fact of the matter is, it's really hard for any of us to believe that the corporate establishment isn't part of this coup. I mean, Democrats have single-handedly... So, let's start right there. Sorry about that. Um, Single-handedly made every corporation rich. Their rules and laws have destroyed small businesses and handed money to Silicon Valley, Amazon, and Walmart. You guys love this. So I won't be shopping at Walmart anymore. Didn't like it anyway. It's kind of a pain in the ass. I I never know where everything is, to be quite honest. Um, But that's just a sign. It's just what this is about. He, He has surrounded himself with corporatists. That's what he's doing. And I gotta think it's time for us to push back on corporations who show their politics. I don't shop for you for politics. I shop for you for goods. And I think the most telling thing about this is that the media won't talk about what Democrats did for the last four years. They won't talk about what Democrats did in 2004 but they'll bring on Democrats to be able to explain away why it was okay in 2004, but not now. So let's start right there. In the 2004 race, you objected to President George W. Bush's re-election victory in Ohio over Democrat John Kerry. So explain how this and what Senator Hawley is doing is different. 
Well, there's no comparison to what Congresswoman Stephanie Tubbs Jones and I did in 05. Number one, uh, John Kerry had conceded the race. We have a president here who's orchestrating kind of an overthrow of the election. Secondly, we said up front we had no interest. We said up front we had no interest in overturning the election. All we wanted was to focus on voter suppression that we saw in Ohio. She came to me in behalf of members of the Black Caucus. She showed me photographs of African-American voters standing in line in the rain with children in their hands, some of them in their arms, for up to nine hours. We found out that there were only two uh, voting machines in some of these precincts, whereas in the white areas, there were 20. So all we said was we wanted to take an hour of the Senate's time. She took an hour of the House time. We said up front it was nothing to do with overturning an election. We didn't want to get any other votes. We just wanted to focus on what we called electoral justice. And after that was over, not that I was popular at the moment because senators were very angry they had to spend an hour listening to this, but after it was over, Senator Clinton and I and others uh, wrote a very important bill to get more resources to local governments so they could put in more machines and make sure that people didn't have to stand in line uh, for and more than one hour. And by the way, that was never passed. The Republicans would not pass that. Well, we should note, uh, rightly, as you mentioned, that Congresswoman Jones was there with you um, and that John Kerry uh, did not join your argument and he had, in fact, conceded the election. But I, I wonder if now, given where things are, given that you have Senator Hawley say that there was precedent and this has been done before, um, do you regret your actions then, if for no other reason than that many Republicans may use this as an example of this having been your know, precedent? You know, that's a great point. I do not regret it for one half a second. When Stephanie Tubbs Jones came to my office, she had been a judge before she was a member of Congress. She had tears in her eyes because of what she saw. The fact that we took an hour to talk about an issue, which then exploded on the scene. It was really a prescient moment in a way. Um, no, why would I regret spending an hour talking about the right to vote? Not at all. If these Republicans are going to lie about it and say it's the same thing, you know, that's on them. That's on them. And I'm sorry they're doing this. This is ridiculous. Could I just say 60, uh, 60 different opinions issued by courts all across the country they this is a this is a phony deal and no, it's also it's also an attack on democracy it's not someone standing up and saying i don't want to turn the election over and everyone could see my speech and her speech we just wanted to call attention to the fact that people stood in line for hours and really it didn't didn't really have a right to vote there's no comparison you know, yeah. that's ridiculous. That's and, and like we, saying, we do, that's like saying, should we do away with all laws because somebody 
used it in 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 the wrong way, which is what they're doing. Of course, we not. should know. We should know. It's ridiculous what he's doing. He knows better, and it's attack on our democracy. And, and there are probably millions of voters who may now question the integrity of our election system because of that. But quickly, in the final seconds, should President-elect Biden say something? He's been very reserved for the most part about not lashing out and trying to to work with the other side. Um, but in, in terms of what is going to happen now, January sixth, should he say something? about what Senator Hawley is doing? I think that without making it a personal attack, Joe Biden has been very, very clear that the election is over. He's preparing uh, to, to become president. He will be a great president. He's focused on the future. He's focused on the pain people are suffering. I wouldn't get into a fight with this senator who is misusing his power, who is comparing it to what I did, which is ridiculous. All people have to do is see the speech that I made, the speech that Stephanie Tubbs Jones made. There is no comparison. And maybe this is a moment for people to really look at, you know, different yeah. ways we can yeah. use the laws that we have. So, of course, they're going to call it treason and sedition. Here's just a one thread. Ben Goldley, as Democrats and some of the media accuse Republican objection to electoral college as treason and sedition, it's important to recall that it's been done at least three times the last 20 years. Most recently in 2017, at least six House Democrats objected to the electoral college. McGovern, Raskins, Jay Pala, Barbara Lee, Jackson Lee, and Maxine Waters. Kai Cheney covered Sheila Jackson Lee objectives in 2017 Politico here. This is what she said. A Democratic congresswoman from Texas confirmed late Thursday that as many as 10 colleagues would contest the validity of Donald Trump's election Friday when lawmakers meet. Jackson Lee said in a phone interview that she and her allies plan to challenge the validity of electoral vote in multiple states, where she argued voter suppression tactics may have tainted the outcome. She said a separate batch of challenges will focus on disqualifying electors who may have been ineligible. This is America question of justice and fairness and the appropriate running of a presidential elections. Wow, that sounds familiar. Also in 2017, <clears throat> call logs, emails, and text messages revealed Clinton campaign intentionally refused to stamp out calls to object to Electoral College, including Jake Sullivan, Biden's incoming national security advisor. Hmm. In 2005, Stephanie Tubbs, Jones Democrat, and Senator Barbara Boxer objected to George Bush. Also in 2005, Hillary Clinton, I commend the senators from California raising the objection. Ted Kennedy, I commend and thank your friend for giving us this opportunity. Harry Reid, I applaud my friend. Dick Durbin, I thank her for doing it. In 2001, Dems led by Jesse Jackson later sentenced to 30 months in federal prison for misusing campaign funds, and Representative Ebay G. and Hastings of Florida and others objected to George W. Bush. So these people are horrible. Those people are patriots. It seems like it's even for protest and everything. It's just the default. CNN's Jake Tapper, well, he went all activists. Holly fundraising off this upcoming stunt to join with the election conspiracy theorists. Brent Schur, don't remember any outrage when every Democrat was fundraising off Russia conspiracy stories fueled by CNN. Mike Lachance, pushed Russian collusion hoax for four years, accuses other of being conspiracy theorists. I mean, come on. Come on. And then, of course, you go over to MSDNC, and it's racism.
Jason, I mean, that's that's strong words from one senator about another. They have to go back and sit at a table and work together. But he's basically saying you're an authoritarian. Yeah, and it's true. Look, you, you've got a certain section of the Republican Party. And I say you can go all the way back to Newt Gingrich and the scorched earth way that they dealt with Bill Clinton. They think that the Democratic Party's coalition, uh, uh, any any party that is supported by the LGBTQ community, uh, Asian Americans, you know, Muslims, black people, whatever, they don't think those people are legitimate participants in American democracy. That, that's the core of this. This is not about state rights. It's not about fraud. It's about white nationalism masquerading as a political party at this particular point. And because they don't think that a coalition... Exactly. It's always white nationalism. That's their thing. That's what they run with. Why would you... Why would you think they wouldn't? And while we're doing it, AP warns of hardline, hard-right Georgia Republicans and their socialist caricatures. While Facebook breaking, Facebook shuts down fundraising page for both Republican Senate runoff campaigns in Georgia. Big tech's at it again. Facebook has shut down the ad account for the Georgia Battleground Fund, a joint fundraising committee of the NRSC. This is unacceptable with only four days to election. Facebook shuts it off and says it was an error. It's always just an error. But the errors only affect Republicans. A Facebook company spokesman said the account was shut down in error and has since been restored. An automated error causes that account to be disabled. The account has since been restored. The NRSC Twitter post included a screenshot showing that the ad account was disabled for a policy violation. We don't allow ads that promote products, services, schemes, or offering using deceptive or misleading practices, including those meant to mislead or scam people out of money or personal information. Oh, yeah, that's nice. The soundbite you heard, Ned Skip, Georgia Dems, teaming up with sexually violent rapper. Yeah, well, why would we cover that? We want them, we want this. Rapper who campaigned... For them, problematic tweets since the racial reckoning of the summer. Many white teenagers, when posting dance videos on social media, no longer sing along with a slur on the rap song. This is what separates us from the Chinese. Well done, free media. Do you know what the proper adult response is to a teenager casually using the N-word? It's not kicking them out of college or canceling them. It's explaining to them that it's not cute. It's offensive. Telling them to get them in trouble and telling them to stop doing it. Writes TIA reports do the names... J.I.D., Tokyo Jets, Shelly, Camp Fram, blah, 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 blah. Warnick's latest campaign event wasn't for you. And in there, these people, all right, said all sorts of shit. BRS Cash Cash. If she stop, she says stop and you still hit it from the back, is it an accident or rape? Ha, 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 ha. And it goes on and on with all the, fuck Valentine's Day, dick. Keep taking that dick in your throat. WAPO. Analysis. Republicans and their affiliated groups are repeatedly using misleading, hyperbolic, or false attacks against Warnock and Ostoff. Glenn Kessler. The attack lines being used by Georgia R's against the Democratic opponents of the Senate runoff are straight out of Trump's failed playbook against Biden. Simply invent positions for your opponent, no matter how far-fetched. Paul, pay no attention to what they have said or done. We'll tell you what to think. 
This is absurd. This is Matt Whitlock. Fact check on Warnock and Ossoff's, or Ossoff, excuse me, radicalism, an amount to ignore what they've said and take our word for it. The worst is the past they give Warnock and Ossoff for flat out refusing to take a position on court packing, statehood, and filibuster. The media has not made any of them talk about it. And the reason why they haven't is because they want it to happen. They one want, they want one party rule. AJC report the Republicans are pouncing on the domestic abuse that the media ignited, fucking totally ignored. In the final week, JOP, GOP resurfaces Warnock dispute with his then wife. People tweeted pouncing, seizing, resurfacing. Another, how dare the GOP react to Warnock running over his wife? I mean, why? And then the total audacity, Democrat war room who defended Northam's blackface Klan robe dropped for pushing Kelly Loeffner Klansman conspiracy, and it's not true. John Ostoff, Fox News walked up rolling live, and I appreciate the free airtime. Also, Kelly Loeffner campaigned with a Klansman. Afraf Akizi. The way he said Kelly Loeffner campaigned with the Klansman twice will be living in my mind rent-free. Mary Margaret Olihan, you defended your old boss Ralph Northam's yearbook photo showing him either wearing blackface or dressed as a KKK member. Maybe sit this one out because they can do it. Did he actually say it? Let's see if he actually said it. I didn't see this video. We're going live. Hold on a second. In American politics. And since we're live on Fox, let me take this opportunity to address directly the Fox audience. We have two United States senators in Georgia who have blatantly used their offices to enrich themselves. This is beyond partisanship. And the reason to your question that I talk so much about health and jobs and justice for all the people is that we can unite behind that program. We've lost nine rural hospitals in Georgia in 10 years. We can reopen them. We can invest in infrastructure to build jobs, revitalize our communities, create opportunity, raise the minimum wage so that people doing an honest week's work can not just survive, but can thrive. And yes, pass landmark civil rights and voting rights legislation to secure equal justice for all. And I humbly and respectfully request the support of everyone who is tuned in on Fox right now. And I'd love for you to log on to electjohn, electjon.com. That's electjon.com. Make a contribution to our efforts here in Georgia. And one more quick one while we've got you. Any, any concern that the allegations of wrongdoing against Reverend Warnock could possibly be a drag on the Democratic ticket next week? None whatsoever. Reverend Warnock addressed this issue a year ago. And here's the bottom line. Kelly Leffler has been campaigning with a Klansman. Kelly Leffler has been campaigning with a Klansman. Fuck me. God, these people. You had a senator who was a grand wizard. He, Bird, was Hillary Clinton's mentor. And it's not true, by the way. Self-righteous month. Jake Tapper just wants to go to Mars and get away from Earth and its people. Current mood. 
The mask of objectivity is gone. The media is a collective drama school reject. What is it? What is the video? Let's look at this shit together. God, what an arrogant fuck. He made himself into a fucking cartoon. Jesus Christ. So, to prove that the Loftner's not true, CNN, the Senate runoff race in Georgia that will decide party-controlled Senate has been filled with false and misleading claims and attacks between candidates. And with five days left, the trend shows no sign of slowing down. The state of the Ostoff campaign is telling such a pathetic lie that even CNN calls him out. Fact-checking Ostoff's false claim about Loftner has been campaigning with the Klansman. The photo taken at a December 11th campaign event shows Loftner posing with Chester Doles, a, fo- a former KKK leader and a member of neo-Nazi National Alliance, was sentenced to prison in 1990. After Doles uploaded the image on Russia's social media site, as CNN reported, it spread everywhere online and was widely criticized by Democrats. On December 13th, Loftner campaign condemned Doles, telling the Atlanta Journal-Constitution Kelly had no idea who he was, and if she had, she wouldn't have kicked him out of him immediately. But they probably sent him there on purpose. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's fucking that's fucking great. That's just fucking great. You fucking people. Jesus freaking Christ. So our last one is how I feel on all of this, and it's Jesse Kelly. I think it's one of the greatest tweets I've ever seen. And it sums up this runoff, and we'll go to our first break. We're going to have to listen to The View. It's the only long soundbite today. It's pretty painful. Sorry to do it to you, but i got to do my 2020. Jesse Kelly, how do I feel about senators refusing election certifications? People. They impeached Trump over a benign phone call. They kneecapped his presidency for two years with a bogus investigation. Screw these people. Make their lives miserable. This is how it is now. GOP should have already put up a special prosecutor to investigate Biden for whatever. They should already have a plan in place to impeach him at some point. These people must be taught that their conduct has consequences. They're not going to magically come to that conclusion. The key thing is that this is how it is now. This is how it is now. I have said that over at nauseum because every time the Democrats lower the bar the media play like it's the, oh my God, we can't believe the Republicans are doing it right after the time that fucking they lowered the bar. I mean, no, no, you don't get a play like everything's bad and it's obstruction. No. What they did to Trump, a person I didn't like, I didn't support, I, I voted for because I voted against. That's the new normal. And if you don't like it, tough fucking shit. You went along with the Democrats doing shit. Now it's time for the Republicans to do the same. And this time, the accusation of stealing an election actually is grounded on some facts. 
not a made-up lie by Hillary, as we learned. So, going to go to our first break. As stated, we are going to do the last segment of 2020 in review, because we kind of did one for my 500th. We did one for the YouTube show, and now we're going to do one on a few other subjects. So, this soundbite is, how long is it? Only 12 minutes. This is the view. I could do the ugly view. This is buttering up Biden. And it's just glorious because the saddest thing about this soundbite is people actually watch these skanks. And his supporters will show up at the polls no matter what, no matter what disease they're going to get. He has other tricks up his sleeve, too. Potential help from Putin, maybe a little smattering of voter suppression. Now, (laughs) your husband, our beloved Joe Biden, he has said that his biggest fear was that Trump would find a way to steal the election. And and I'm afraid of that also. I'm very scared. Tell me what Joe and the Democrats are going to do about that. We don't have that much time left. You witnessed a lot of the vitriol the Obamas were subjected to. Now we're four years later uh, at the end of of, uh, President Obama's presidency, and we are uh, seeing these sustained protests uh, across the country, really around the world, in the response to the killing of George Floyd. Um, How does uh, Joe Biden plan to heal our country? Jill, you wrote an amazing new children's book about your husband's life called Joey, which we're going to talk about more in a few minutes. And you write about restoring the soul of America. Um, Can you remind people who may have forgotten what the soul of America actually means? President Trump is discussing and there is no boundary he won't go for. I know we all know that. you know, I, there's, there's stuff in the prompter that he says about your husband that, quite frankly, I just don't want to repeat because I think it's so gross. But we know that Trump is Teflon, and it's very hard for things to stick to him. But he is very good at neutralizing his opponents, like he did with little Marco, lying Ted, and, of course, crooked Hillary. So how are you guys preparing to go up against that in the debates and in the general election and just deal with the uh, inevitable vitriol that's coming? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think he can handle it just fine. I mean, they go after him for his little gaffes that he makes. I mean, he's human. He makes mistakes. It's nothing like this, this criminal in the White House and the things that he says every day. But uh, I wish they would just stop doing that. Dr. Biden, your husband uh, showed remarkable restraint that night when uh, <laughs> Trump repeatedly attacked your son and disrespected your family. And um, I've spent a little bit of time with you, and I know how important your family is to you, and I know how protective you are uh, over them. Now, he continued those attacks at rallies, encouraging the crowd to lock Joe up. And on Monday, he claimed that there's some sort of story on the way about a scandal involving your family that will, quote, make him almost an impotent candidate. How do you feel about these constant personal attacks and and how do you respond to them? You know, as a mother, I mean, I, it really, I don't like to see my son attacked and certainly I don't like to see my uh, husband attacked. But for me, or to me, these are distractions. I mean, this election is not about 
Joe Biden or Jill Biden or Kamala or Doug. It is about the American people. The American people don't want to hear these smears against my family. The American people are struggling right now. I mean, they're in the midst of all this chaos. They're trying to figure out how to put food on the table. You know, they don't have jobs. They they need health care. Americans don't want to and I have to say, this group of people at the table rarely agree on anything, but we were all holding out for Biden and said not to count him out to the point that all the women on the show have gotten a lot of criticism because yeah. we said don't count him out. It's like yeah. the one yeah. thing that's really united us. So the view was a little right, just saying. Um, <laughs> there you go. Uh, what do you think of the thoughts on his big comeback? I, I never thought to doubt, uh, doubt him because America loves him. Well, well look, this is the biggest, this is the biggest political comeback the most blindingly fast political comeback at the presidential uh, level that I've seen in, in my lifetime. I mean, your father's in 2008 was something, but it, it took a lot more time. This was overnight, and Klobuchar clearly was a factor. I also see uh, the work of Barack Obama to a degree on all mm. this. If you look at what happened over the last few days, uh, a lot of the people closest to Barack Obama came out and supported uh, Joe Biden, his former national security advisor, yes. his former chief of staff, right. his former uh, U.N. ambassador. And also, he spoke to both uh, Mayor Pete mm -hmm. and to Amy Klobuchar after they lost. Mm -hmm. We don't know a lot about the conversation they had, right. but what we know is they quickly got on board. Yeah, I'm hoping yeah. Dr. Jill becomes a Surgeon General. His wife. Yeah, Joe Biden. Joe Biden's wife, because she, you know, she he would never do it, but she, it's, yeah, she's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. I she's I a doctor and PhD. Yeah, I don't, I don't, oh, I could be wrong. Maybe I, I, thought she was, yeah, I think she's, I know. she's, she's oh. a teacher, but, you know, <laughs> might, might be good for Betsy DeBoff's post. <laughs> yes. Perfect. I have an issue. With people like Marco Rubio and other Republicans, I guess he's been a little busy uh -huh. uh, tweeting Bible verses, and he may have missed when the precedents that they have been genuflecting to for the last four years boasted about mm -hmm. grabbing a woman by a word I can't say on TV, or said that people that came from Africa and Latin America came from countries that I can't say on TV, or called black mm -hmm. athletes who took a knee sons of bitches. And where was the outrage when Ted Yoho called his colleague Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez a bitch yeah. at the Capitol? Where was the outrage then? So what I'm going to say to you is that, you know, if you were okay with the likes of Stephen Bannon as chief of staff, if you're okay with the likes of Stephen Miller, if you've been okay with a president who paid hush money to a stripper and who has given us a slew mm -hmm. of bad words we can't say on TV, then I think you really should mm -hmm. save your outrage, your faux outrage for an Emmy or, you know, Oscar-nominated speech at some point. But, but just spare us this level of hypocrisy. For the love of God, spare me the hypocrisy at this point so close to Christmas. Give it to yeah. me as a un regalito de Navidad. All right. <laughs> now, was she too harsh here, Sonny? Was, was, was she too harsh? I second everything that Anna Navarro said, um, including the uh -huh. regalito. But I, I will say this. Uh -huh. I don't know that she was off message. I think that they are parsing what uh -huh. she said because she used an expletive. Because if you look at the context, uh -huh. if you look at everything she said, she said the president-elect uh -huh. was able to connect with people over this sense of unity. Uh, and then she, she says, I'm not saying they are not a bunch of 
uh, Mitch McConnell terrible. Then she also says, but this sense that you couldn't wish for that, you couldn't wish for this bipartisan ideal, he rejected that. So she's just, I don't detect any lies there. She's saying they've been very difficult. They've been difficult to work right. with. This is the president that they're genuflecting to, but Joe Biden is different. He wants to work across the aisle. So I I'm not sure where this gotcha. faux out. And then I got scared for the country, for the country, oh, okay. because I started thinking about the 25th Amendment. If I'm being honest, I started mm -hmm. thinking about his fitness to lead the country because it sounded uh, um, it, it sounded like the rantings of, well, of someone that was unstable. Well, you know, I'm not a physician, and so I, I think it's inappropriate to opine about mental fitness. It, it almost feels crass to me. Sonny, you think you know who is more uh, chaos theory than law and order? Well, there's no question about that. We know that Trump is encouraging violence in America to just distract from his failures, right? Uh, and namely, his failure in managing this horrible global pandemic that has caused the death of 200,000 Americans on his watch. Uh, let's us not forget, Whoopi, that it was a Trump supporter who killed two people in Kenosha. It was Trump supporters who carried guns to state capitals during the coronavirus shutdown. I think very well that suburban moms know that if they want their sons to be safe from violent militias and their parents to be safe from the coronavirus and they want schools to be open safely, that they've got to get rid of Trump. And the polls are really showing that. The polls are showing, there was a Fox News poll actually that shows that in Wisconsin in particular, that by a five percentage point, those very same people in Wisconsin believe that Biden is safer for America. CNN poll, same thing. Five percentage point, Biden is safer for America. So those suburban moms that Trump is really trying to play for in those swing states, they know that Trump is the more dangerous candidate for America, for their children, for their parents, for everyone. Yeah, I kind of feel like it's really important for people to recognize that when people celebrate the murdering of <clears throat> citizens, American citizens, whether you agree with them or not, when it's celebrated and people say, you know, it's really good, he, who knows what could have happened to him if the uh, lo looters and the, the protesters had caught him. This boy shot somebody, ran away. The people who were chasing him were chasing him to get... The gun, knock it out. The kid went to hit him with the skateboard to get that gun out of his hands, and he shot him. I want to know, are we going to talk about those kids? Uh, yes, that's who, exactly who yeah. I'm talking about. Uh, 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 is there going to be a funeral for those people? who are, Those were American citizens that were killed. I don't think the president's saying he thinks it's a good idea that this kid d did what he did is a good thing. I don't think that's good for America. Dr. B, I have to ask you, you know, when you were here last time, I said to you, they're going to get vicious. They're nasty people over there. He's beyond belief, this guy. We, I know yeah. him from the old days in New York City. Is, is it as bad as I said it was going to be or worse? Well, you know, it, it's, uh, it's ugly, but I can take a little bit of ugly if it means Joe's going to be president. Yes, um, yeah. of course. But it's pretty bad. I mean, yeah. politics is a dirty, yeah. dirty business. Well, he was, he was the vice president to a black president. You think this is new? Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. I know what y'all are. Yeah. But this, was, that was when Obama was the target more than you. But now you're, the, you're right there, yeah. you know. And people wanted really to see you get mad when Trump started lying about Hunter and saying things about Hunter. I don't know that you got mad enough. As a mother, how hurtful have these attacks been? Um, 
on Hunter. Let's say you're on the debate stage with him and he does what he did to Hillary, starts hovering behind you like a big monster behind the poor woman. What are you going to do? Because a lot of people say that. Come up here, Jack. (laughs) What do you think the media is missing? Well, I I think it's tough being the media these days. I'm not being facetious. Uh, To be on the news side of it. No, 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 I know. But I think it's even tougher being on the reporting side. You got to get clicks. You got to get something that gets you. Because the best of my knowledge, talking to an awful lot of senior reporters, past and present, you know, they're told basically you have to have a brand. It used to be that that opinion writers had that. Yeah, yeah. But now it's it's, it's news coverage. And so if you don't get something that's going to get you. A, a click, as they say, then then it's hard. So look, I, I don't begrudge the media. I, I don't I don't have any problem. By the way, I do think that this attack on, you know, the the, the free press being the enemy of the people, yeah. that if you notice, he's repeated it and repeated it yeah. and repeated it, and now people are going, well, I don't know, I'm not so sure. That's the problem. And so look, the press can't keep up with the lies. President's words matter. They matter. They matter. They matter. And they've got to change this guy. He's got to be out of office. Period. That's right. Welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast with Tony Reed. Move outside and let the man go through. Let the man go through. Move outside and let the man go through. Let the man go Tensions over COVID took center stage in April when armed demonstrators took to the Michigan State Capitol to protest stay-at-home orders. In May, the nation's focus shifted to justice and inequality. After the death of George Floyd, sparking protests all around the country. A peaceful protest near the White House was broken up in June in order to allow President Trump to pose outside a church holding a Bible. But those moments of togetherness were broken apart by bouts of police brutality during the protest against it. Burning and looting by some who took part in protests and poor policing. One example, playing out live on air. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin, over the course of the night. A second night since Jacob Blake was seen shot in the back seven times by a police officer. And what you are seeing now, these images came and come in stark contrast to what we saw over the course of the daytime hours in Kenosha and into the early evening, which were largely peaceful demonstrations in the face of law enforcement. It wasn't until night fell that things began to get a little bit more contentious. Things were thrown back and forth. Police started using some of those crowd dispersal tactics like tear gas, even playing uh, very loud sounds to push them out. And then what you were seeing, the common theme that ties all of this together is an expression of anger and frustration over what people feel like has become an all-too-familiar story playing out in places from across the country, not just here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Christine, Laura. All right, thank you so much for that. New overnight. I know, it was mean to play that, but I had to play it. And then we come into CBS Sunday morning, year in review. 
peaceful protest. Never calls about anything. I mean, nothing about rioting, people getting killed. Nothing. But Lee Cowan confessed back in 2008 when NBC News first signed me to Barack Obama campaign. I must confess, my knees quaked a bit. Yeah, that's Armenia. CNN, you cannot make this up. A CNN reporter standing in front of a building engulfed in flames and the Chiron reading fiery, mostly but mostly peaceful protesters after police shooting. CNN narcissism, disdain for police, and dismissal of riots in one video. Those moments of togetherness were broken apart by bouts of police brutality during the protest against it, burning and looting by some who took part in the protest of poor policing. In CNN's cartoonish world they've created in 2020, they want you to spend every waking moment not only in fear of the coronavirus jumping out and killing you, but police officers walking up to go on the prowl for people to shoot and kill. In our video version of this show, once again... By far more whites were killed. More whites, not blacks. The percentage is barely more. But we don't talk about facts. I mean, why would we? 2020 also brought us Kaylee McKinney. Her top five. May 15, McKinley lowers the boom on another reporter, eviscerates the left's Russia lies. May 20th, you okay, Frito? McKinney slams Cuomo, lefty journalist bashing hydrochloroquine. Number three, Kaylee McKinney makes fake news Jim look like a fool on liberal media. In the first of five appearance on this list, Acosta presented himself as a champion of censorship as he bemoaned about the White House trying to silence fact-checking. McKinney responds by stating the truth. There's no one that should be fact-checked more than the mainstream media that has been continually wrong about a number of things. Number four, go figure. Acosta refuses to denounce violence against police. Five, McKinney tells off Jim Acosta, lefty journalist on social distancing double standards. Six, owns Acosta, cites extraordinary newsbuster Video. Two days after being annihilated over the left's double standard on public gathering during the pandemic, Acosta again decided to make a fool of himself by screeching about Trump sharing a parody video based on a viral video of two toddlers running towards each other. Acosta was incensed that it was Trump was exploiting children to make some sort of crass political point. McKinney put Acosta back in his place by reminding him that CNN settled a defamation shoot suit for Doc Dogging Sandman. Seven. Wipes the floor with Atlantic over fake news propaganda. Eight. Liberal reporters go to war over Covert and Woodward's book. Nine. White House reporters lose their mind, melt down after being schooled by McKinney. And ten. Absolutely fire. McKinney destroys the liberal media on Solwell and vaccines. Here's just a couple of press 
as with any drug and as with any prescription, it should be given by a doctor to a patient in that context. So no one should be taking this without a prescription from their doctor. But that being said, I've seen a lot of apoplectic coverage of hydroxychloroquine. You had Jimmy Kimmel saying the president's, quote, trying to kill himself by taking it. You had Joe Scarborough saying, quote, this will kill you. Neil Cavuto saying, what have you got to lose? Um, one thing you have to lose are, are lives. Um, and you had Chris Cuomo saying the president knows that hydroxychloroquine is not su supported by science. He knows it has been flagging, flagged by his own people and he's using it. Um, well, Cuomo mocked the president for this. Um, and interestingly, I found this out just before coming here, um, hydroxychloroquine, of course, is an FDA-approved medication with a long-proven track record for safety. And it turns out um, that Chris Cuomo took a, a less safe version um, of it called Quinine, which the FDA removed from the market in 2006 because of its serious side effects, including death. So really interesting to have that criticism of the president. And on that note to Chris Cuomo, I'd like to redirect him to his brother, the governor of New York, Governor Cuomo, um, who has several on-the-record statements about hydroxychloroquine, saying, I'm an optimist, I'm hopeful about the drug, and that's why we'll try it here in New York as soon as we get it. There has been anecdotal evidence that it's promising, that's why we're going ahead, and I have about eight other quotes from Governor Cuomo. And if I can ask you about uh, last night, the president uh, tweeted out some fake videos, uh, one of which was labeled uh, manipulated media uh, by Twitter. Uh, why is the president sharing fake videos on Twitter about two toddlers uh, who are obviously showing a lot of love for one another? It, it seems as though he's exploiting children to make some sort of crass political point. Uh, no. Why is he sharing fake videos? He was making a point uh, about CNN specifically. He was making a point uh, that CNN has regularly taken him out of context, um, that in 2019 CNN misleadingly aired a clip from one viewpoint repeatedly to falsely accuse the Covington boys of being, quote, students in MAGA gear harassing a Native American elder. Um, that's a harassing video, a misleading video about children that had really grave consequences for their future. So, to, so you're saying it's okay to exploit two toddlers hugging one another on a sidewalk to make some sort of political point. Uh, you, I mean, the, as you know, the president has described the uh, members of the press as fake news uh, during the course of this administration. When you share fake videos like that, doesn't that make you fake news? I think the president was making a satirical point that was quite funny if you go and actually watch the video. Um, I think he was, making a, he was making a satir the, the point is uh, it was a play on CNN repeatedly taking the president out of context. Like the time when you guys had a, a Chiron that read, Trump slammed some illegal immigrants, they're animals. Well, guess what? The people we called animals were MS-13 illegal immigrants who regularly mutilate people in this well, country. Those things are entirely misleading. You don't mind pointing out the president Not has referred to some Mexican immigrants as rapists. He has tried to pass a Muslim ban in this country. He has described uh, uh, black NFL that's, players as sons of bitches if they take a knee during a football game. Uh, that's an absurd attempt to justify the misleading headlines that are regularly on your network. Like I was just walking in watching CNN as they lauded the, the quote the rallies in the streets. Are you, you, are you saying that the president got to let me finish, this Jen. Word. This is not a cable news segment. I'm answering your question right okay. now from the White House podium. Well, you're, you're when I walk out of here, and and when, I, CNN, when I walk out the, here, Jim, when I walk out here, Jim, and I see on your when I see on your network 
celebratory headlines about the rallies and the protests outside, and you actually said protests and rallies. So in light of a protest, if these gatherings happen in light of a protest or a rally, as you say, that rally is to be condoned, but not the president's rally. I mean, it's appalling. You have one person on your network saying that this is a celebration in the streets, a carnival-like atmosphere. There's a guy with a sign that says, free hugs. Um, it's beautiful what's really happening in the streets. The there is music. People are hugging. You celebrate hugging in the context of a protest, but in a Trump rally where we celebrate historic low African-American unemployment, criminal justice reform, HBCUs, that rally is not allowed because guess what, Jim? It doesn't fit the ideological agenda. Of so there you have a good example of what it's like to be Republican in Washington. Of course, all those are violent, crazy. I mean, everything was an attack from the media towards Trump. And every media outlet is is technically the opposing party. They 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 became an opposition party with their hate for Trump. Now NPR Biden touts Biden press secretary briefings won't be a platform for right-wing spin. This article says, as usual, NPR thinks right-wing spin is the opposite of the reporting, which is objective, not left-wing. Morning anchor Steve Inskeep had asked about how Team Biden would handle Fox since Obama had a fairly hostile relationship. Pataski, Pisaki pointed out she granted an interview to Chris Wallace but would never do so for Sean Hannity. But which type represents the Fox reporters at the White House? Pisaki insisted she know pushover for right-wing Acosta types. We're not going to allow the briefing room to be a platform for propaganda. We will shut that down as needed. Inskeep, a favorite pushover, Barack Obama asked about right-wing media ecosystem. Pisaki compared these upstart networks to propaganda organs for Russia and China. Our media literally doesn't Get what they look like. As we start this, we're just going to let them do whatever the fuck they want. They they just don't comprende, amigo, that what they're doing is ruining the First Amendment. They won't see that because they think they're objective stalwarts, but... Every time we leave a Democratic president, we get some kind of report on something horrible they did. And here's Fariq Zakaria. Trump was actually tough on Russia. Um, what, what I'm hearing more than anything else is a sense of hope about the United States being back in the game, being back as an engaged uh, power as, as an agenda setter, uh, some a country that wants to try to help organize cooperative solutions around the world, get engaged with problem solving, everything from climate change to regional issues. And Fareed, what about the dynamic with our perceived enemies like Iran or Russia? I, I think in general, there isn't going to be as much difference as people imagine. Uh, the, the, the Biden folks are pretty tough on Russia, Iran, North Korea. Uh, you know, the, the, the dirty little secret about the Trump administration was that while Donald Trump had clearly had a kind of soft spot for Putin, 
the Trump administration was pretty tough on the Russians. They armed uh, Ukraine. They armed the Poles. Uh, they extended, you know, NATO uh, uh, operations and exercises in ways that even the Obama administration had not done. They maintained the sanctions. So I don't think it will be that different. The, the best part of it is the actual screen crap show screen crap screen cap shows them kind of smiling. Like, yeah, we know, but we're not going to say that. Paul Krugman for the New York Times celebrates pandemic year as year Reaganism died. I, I don't know where he got that. I, I don't understand. Washington Free Beacon voted Jake Tapper as the man of the year. If you really look at somebody who lost their way, Jake Tapper's the guy. Because he went from a pretty decent news guy to a hack. And their write-up is just perfect 2020. Few journalists in the national capital are unaware of Jake Tapper's equanimity and composure, his thick skin and imperviousness to criticism and slights. Then there's the CNN anchor's grace under fire, his ability to triumph over adversity and his quiet and humble advocacy for American troops on Twitter and best-selling books and on the silver screen. The unflappable Tappers managed to seamlessly transition from Democrat flack. He began his career as a spokesman for Representative Majori Majorless Mazvinsky, mother of Chelsea Clinton's hedge fund hubby Mark, to a nonpartisan and unbiased newsman with a plum that has eluded lesser men. Tapper sent to Man of the Year was buoyed by his enormous contributions to the important work of female empowerment and the promotion of Raise Your Hand, the book written by Tapper's daughter, Alice Paul Tapper, illustrates her determination, bravery, and unwillingness to accept the status quo. For that and his many contributions to the happy state of our public discord, Tapper is a free beacon, Man of the Year, and you know that's all tongue-in-cheek. He's a hack. Big time. Rewind, the media's four-year war against Trump presidency. This soundbite is a must. And it starts with 17, the honeymoon from hell. Instead of the traditional honeymoon period with the press, reporters began taking swipes at Trump mere moments after he concluded his inauguration. The Russian collusion cloud, trashing his policies. I mean, the travel ban. Accomplishments ignored. Impeachment smothers more success. The virus that ate the 2020 news agenda. More accomplishments overlooked. This article is long and extensive. I'm just going to play the soundbite because if anything, what we learned this year, more than any year, the media is not objective. They will do whatever they can to get Democrats power. If it's a constitutional crisis, that sounds bad to me. <laughs> so now you hear the term constitutional crisis. You know, you hear this word constitutional crisis. A little constitutional crisis. What exactly counts as a constitutional crisis? Are we in a constitutional crisis? Hmm. Is this a constitutional crisis? I think it's a constitutional confrontation. Constitutional stress test. Constitutional showdown. Constitutional confrontation. Confrontational crisis. Do you agree with Chairman Nadler that the country is currently in a constitutional crisis? Yes. It's a constitutional crisis, okay? Constitutional crisis 
is no longer a hypothetical. The country is in a constitutional crisis. The official Trump constitutional crisis. Folks, a constitutional crisis. Behind door number two, you have a constitutional crisis. Ever wonder what a constitutional crisis looks like? The real total end of democracy. Well, open your eyes. If this is a constitutional crisis, how can Democrats not move forward with impeachment hearings? We have the option of impeachment, and we think this is a constitutional crisis. Start impeachment proceedings. Why not pursue impeachment? Why are you resisting? Some people would argue we've been in a constitutional crisis since Donald Trump was elected president. The impeachment trial of President Trump is over. Where are we? I think we're in the midst of the storm. It's been a travesty. Just an absolute it's because travesty. It's because this is a rigged trial with, with a pre-cooked outcome. The perfect call nonsense or the ridiculous, maddening arguments undertaken by the president and his lawyers and his allies. We've had a sham trial. Yes, what a sham. This sham trial. Sham trial. Not a real trial. And this wasn't a trial, this was a travesty. It's not a real trial and it's not a real exoneration. And it's a cover-up. The trial that wasn't really a trial will be over and we will no longer have to listen to it the Senate can stop pretending. No documents and no witnesses. Not having witnesses is a hoax. Is it a GOP or is it a grand uh, party to cover up? This is a cover up. The president has learned his lesson. Yeah. <laughs> no, he has not. No, he has not. He is going to do this again. If you basically can harness enough support, you can essentially bulldoze the Constitution. Steal the Constitution from the people. The Constitution no longer matters. President Trump is functionally a monarch at this point. The Constitution's been rewritten in the following way. A Democratic president is not allowed to name a Supreme Court justice in an election year. And a Republican president cannot be impeached in an election year. That's it. I am greeted with a hostile press, the likes of which no president has ever seen. They come at you with the most horrible, horrendous, biased questions. And you see it, 94 or 95 percent of the press is hostile. They treat me so unfairly, it's hard to believe that I won. We're now looking at the worst president in American history. The worst president in American history. The worst president in modern history. This era we're in with Donald Trump, it's like the gates of hell have been opened. We thought Emperor Nero was wrong to fiddle as Rome burned. This guy's worse. He's been an abomination. What a poor excuse for a president. This moral monster. What a poor excuse for a man. What a pathetic, sniveling little man our president is. What a poor excuse for a human being. He's unfit to be human. I believe this man is capable of... of horrific horrific deeds this vile immoral corrupt indecent dangerous intellectually unfit president is a danger to all of us it's not really in serious dispute anymore that president trump is not up to this job the president has been inept from the start this president uh, has, has basically uh, failed the american public how badly uh, is he failing right now? Do you think to date, in the last six months, he has damaged the credibility of the office of the presidency? Homicidal negligence of the president of the United States. There is death after death after death that is on the president's watch. He has blood on his hands. Our president has blood on his hands. Blood on his hands. Rivers of blood on his hands. More people are dead and dying in America tonight because Donald Trump is president. 
All right, so today the question being asked, is President Trump a racist? Is President Trump a racist? We have a racist president. We have a racist as a president. We have a, a man-child who is deranged and racist in this office. You don't have a president, as you said, talking about exterminating right. Latinos. It almost feels like a little ethnic cleansing is going on in the United States right now. People say, well, I'm not sure President Trump is racist. Well, racist is as racist does. No, he is a racist. He is a racist. Can we just say it once and for all? Anyone who is in that White House and who is supporting him is complicit in their racism as well. To people who look like me, it's about imminent danger. When I see the Make America Great Again hat now, Chris, I am triggered. I'm so triggered. This Make America Great Again hat is just as maddening and frustrating and triggering for me to look at as a KKK hood. This president, Donald John Trump has instigated a race war in America. When he said today, America first, it was not just the racial, I mean, the, I should say racial, the Hitlerian uh, background to it. America first is really white America first. That is just the emboldening of white bigotry by a white nationalist, white supremacist presidency. It carries with it overtones from the 1930s. The words themselves carry very ugly echoes in our history. Is it appropriate to ask whether the president is having difficulty with rationality? It, it, it's, it's crazy what we're watching every day. Yeah. It's absolutely crazy. People in European governments think that Trump has lost his mind. It is possible that he's m mentally ill in a way. It's almost like being in, 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 in the ward of a, of a mental hospital half the time. We're, we're getting the ramifications um, as a nation of what having a sick man in the White House means. I don't believe him sane. Flatly. I don't think he's a stable person. He is unstable. He's not well. I saw this as a as a psychotically incoherent speech with cookies and dog poop. Do you think there's any part of him that's capable of shame? I can't feel normal human emotions. I don't think he's capable of the basic empathies that we feel as human beings, and that's what a sociopath is. This is what happens when you elect a sociopath as president. This is somebody in deep psychological distress right now, self-pitying insecure, angry. The president, described as volcanic, seething tonight. The president went ballistic. NBC News has learned the president became unglued this week. Get real! Come on! We, we talked about the... He's nuts and we're in the middle of it! Well, I, Chris, I think that uh, that address probably should have come with a, a Surgeon General's warning. It was hazardous to the truth. How can anyone see this as unifying when he is spewing out lies? to the American people, oh, no, lying. Do, do you think journalists are going to look back years from now and regret not doing even more to speak out about this lying and deceit? I think some journalists will. This is an astounding blizzard of lies. Blizzard of lies? Blizzard of lies. From the President of the United States. He lies every minute. He changes his story second to second. You're facing a fertilizer spreader in a windstorm. Start from that premise. He's a liar. We should fact check him backwards, maybe. See if anything he's telling us is true. Trump and some of his allies are promoting a hate movement against the American press. He is really trying to incite violence against reporters. How else can you interpret mm. it? If he could arrest us tomorrow, let me ask you a question. Do you think he would arrest us tomorrow? Because if you say he wouldn't, you're just lying to yourself. It's a grotesque abuse of power by the President of the United States. This is the kind of thing that goes on in non-democracy. Let's be frank, a national nightmare is upon us. The country has a president who operates as an outlaw. This president is a criminal, a thief and a liar. A grifter. Like a mob boss. How strange is it for you to sit here and compare the president to a mob boss? Well, he's technically exonerated from a crime. 
Is he exonerated from his behavior? Is President Trump out Nixony Nixon? The president is a Russian operative. America's president sided with its enemy today. That sounds like the description of a bad Hollywood screenplay, but it is real. No president has ever been charged with treason, Douglas. Do, do you believe the president's actions fall anywhere within that definition? That would be treason, right? The spirit of what Trump did is clearly treasonous. To believe that the president isn't compromised requires such a leap of faith. All he had to do was not, you know, put on jammies and crawl under the covers with Vladimir Putin, and he couldn't do that. Biggest winner, Vladimir Putin. He basically took over the United States and got himself a Manchurian candidate. What does Putin have on him? What does Putin have on Trump? What does Putin have on what Why does Putin, Putin have, have on Trump? Trump? We don't know, I think, if Putin is his handler, his hero, or his co-conspirator, but that's obviously where his loyalty lies. Trump's authoritarian tendencies are on full display. Donald Trump is an authoritarian of the first order. A increasingly authoritarian president who is a danger for all of us. The right-wing media's dear leader. Toxic dear leader. Wannabe dictator. Dime store slurring Mussolini. The Trump administration has been copying the wrong Korea. Open your eyes, America. Open your eyes. We are teetering on a dictatorship. Authoritarian leaders tend to get reelected because they are willing to improperly abuse the power of the government they control to keep themselves in power. This would be the end of America. If this is what we're going to be, this won't be a democracy. That's a monarchy. He's functionally a monarch. I want to start using the word fascist. Yeah, he's a fascist. And if the party nominates uh, Hitler, are you going to vote for him? Many tendencies like Adolf Hitler. Yeah. I said it, throw me off the air. Increasingly, Donald Trump is turning this nation into Nazi Germany. Does this look like Germany in 1933? We're getting close. That is exactly why Donald Trump is compared to Hitler. I, I hate comparing Trump to Hitler because Hitler could concentrate for more than 30 seconds and had normal-sized human hands. Trump no doubt learned from any number of authoritarian leaders over the last 90 years. Ataturk, Franco, Mussolini, Stalin, and Hitler. One thing we're not is the opposition. We're not the opposition party. We are just trying to get at the truth. When you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. And we close 2020 with the top 10 most read Newsbuster articles, because I think it's an interesting insight to what conservatives were consuming this year. Number one, ABC Spikes leaked video of Floyd arrest. Stop resisting was edited out. Two, family time with Stephanopoulos watching porn with the kids. Three, RNC head destroys ABC Raddatz on media ignoring Biden rape claim. Four, sad trombone, judge revive libel suit against hateful MSDNC host Joy Reid. Five, Tara Reid demands press gas hairs about Biden. Six, we block diversity of thought and amplify fringe voices and events. MSDNC producer quits. That was a good story. Seven, evening, evening news spin, 100% negative on Trump defense, 95 positive. For Dems, that's just doesn't surprise me at all. When we really break down the numbers, it's actually kind of scary. Eight, White House correspondent kicks own reporter out of briefing over public safety. Nine, George Romo's tried woke school to Hispanic Trump supporters, got schooled instead. And ten, special report, the stealing of the presidency.
And that was the article one in every six Biden voted. 17% would have not voted for him had they known anything about what wasn't being reported. And that just shows which side is worse. In the end of the day, I can honestly say as a independent conservative person, conservatives I speak to actually fucking research shit. Lefties I speak to, they just go with whatever the fuck the party tells them to think. Because, let's be honest, it's a goddamn cult. So, we're going to go into a uh, one subject woke. I was going to do some gay stuff, but we'll save it for next podcast. Um, and we'll start with everything is racist. Were you trying to get crazy with this thing? Don't you know I'm local? Now it's time for news and social media nuggets. The crazy stuff that makes your host lose his mind. body cam footage of officers having to shoot a suspect that shot at them. But everywhere you go, they lie. Twitter, most of the media, just failed to even cover that the guy shot at them first. Because, you know, why would we? I mean... My God, let's just fucking make shit up. CNN, CBS highlight black police shooting victims ignore other races. Goes in line with it. For the year, and I wanted to hit this even though I hit it on the other show. For the year, every time there's been a shooting, the media has failed to say the races of the cops failed to say that the guy had a weapon, fired a weapon, failed to do pretty much about everything you could possibly do to be considered objective news. And they never once put out that 432 whites 
44% were killed by cops. 23% of the shootings were blacks, 223. So that's not a proportional higher than the population. 155 Hispanics, 22 other races, and 149 undetermined. Unarmed stands at 40, 17 whites, 13 blacks, 6 Hispanics, 1 Asian, and 3 undetermined races. That's just the facts. But Ilian Ormar, MPD is a joke. This isn't transparency or accountability. A man was killed, his family terrorized and robbed of a son, and all they are left with is more questions than answer. Let's stop normalizing, justifying state sanctioned murder by those who take an oath to uphold the law. Patrick Hamblin, talking about the same guy who rammed police cars and started shooting at officers. No surprise Ilian Omar is rushing to defend the person who was on video plowing into cop cars, pulling a gun and shooting at the police before they returned fire. That's why they cover it and they drop it. But this is nothing new, which is the saddest part. None of this is new. The other day we were sitting in the living room and talking and I said something to the extent of, it's so easy a caveman can do it. And my wife started laughing. And then we said, what happened to that guy? What happened to the caveman? Well, here's an article from the Daily Kos. Racism, so easy a caveman can do it. Or Berkshire Hathaway. In reading Perseil's excellent diary on racism, which is so truthful and spot on, I was told actual funnier and my dad really was a racist, but I never thought of myself as such. I realized there's much more racism out there. Different parts of our culture and behavior are wildly out of step with each other, but to us it all seems normal. This is the line that's triggered it. Different part of our culture and behavior is still wildly out of step. Case in point, every time I see those Geico ads that say so easy a caveman could do it, I think I thought I had a few months ago. These Geico ads are supposed to be racist without offending any ethnic or religious group. But it got taken off because they thought it was portraying black mannerisms. So, who's the racist? If you think that's black mannerisms, well, maybe you're the racist. Because I never saw that. I never thought that was the case. In the end, it's almost surprising sometimes when you reflect back at how much power we have given this small group of Americans who just hate America and think everything is racist. Every single thing's racist. When it's not, then you get articles like this. VA judge rules a black defendant can't get a fair trial in a courtroom adorned with portraits of largely white judges. Orders paintings removed from upcoming trial. A Fairfax County judge, David Bernhardt, has ruled that a black defendant can't get a fair trial in a courtroom decorated with overwhelming white portraits. 
So I had him taken down. Christina Summers. How is this judge not a racist? Judge rules defendants can't get a fair trial. The judge in one statement shows a huge bias. Paintings don't cause bias or discriminatory treatment. But that's where we're at now. Then we go back to the summer and we had a segment on the show about a actual journalist who was trying to break in when they shot the cop and she said she was just trying to do her story and that as an NPR journalist blah 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 this is the cops abusing the freedom of speech and yaddy 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 Well, uh, it looks like now, in retrospect, she was a member of BLM. Far-left journalist among group charged in BLM firebomb attacks on police vehicles in Arkansas. It's the same fucking person. What the fuck's her name? Our police were vandalized, burned in Arkansas State Headquarters in Little Rock. One vehicle been set on fire, one been vandalized. Individuals are caught on surveillance. Four far-left activists have been arrested following this. Renee Garda, one of the suspects, journalist for BBC. Or, for, excuse me, NPR. So no wonder they think it's mostly peaceful. They don't want to go to jail. BBC diversity czar, white privilege is a fact. You're never judged on your race. Yeah, 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 we are. Boston, New York Post, statue of slave kneeling before Lincoln is removed in Boston. More than 12,000 people signed a petition demanding the statue removal. Boston Public Art Commission voted unanimously to take it down. The statue was to be placed in storage until the city decides whether to put it in a museum. The decision for removal acknowledges the statue's role in perpetuating harmful prejudice and obscuring the role of black Americans in shaping the nation's freedom, the mission said. The moral bid on Boston's radar, at least since 2018, when it launched a comprehensive review of whether public scriptures, monuments, and other artwork reflect. Lady Pearl. Look at the statue. Really look at it. The position of the ex-slave, the expression on his face, there's nothing in this that suggests he's kneeling to Lincoln. That you think it is says more about you. It's about emancipation. Remember, Lincoln's a racist too. Then we have the New York Times. A high school student said a racial slur in a video. Her classmates posted online to teach her a lesson after she had chosen a university. Then came the backlash. Rickard Hananian psychopathic kid gets a video of a girl using a racial slur when she's 15. Holds on to it until she has chosen a college to get her admission revoked. The New York Times celebrates this reckoning. How many previous tyrannical regimes have gone after children? To the article, Jimmy Galligan was in a history class last school year when his phone buzzed with a message. 
Once you clicked on it, you found a three-second video of a white classmate looking into the camera and uttering an anti-black slur. The slur, he said, was regularly heard in the classroom and hallway throughout its year in Loudoun County School District. He had brought the issue up to teachers and administrators, but much his anger and frustration, his complaints got nowhere. So he held on to the video, which was sent to a, him by a friend, and made a decision that would ricochet across Leesburg, Virginia, a town named for an ancestor, Confederate General Robert E. Lee, and for whose school system has fought in order to desegregate. They're all a bunch of racists. Get it? I wanted to get her where she would understand the severity of the word, Mr. Gallagher, 18, whose mother is black and father's white, said the classmate who uttered the slur, Mimi Groves. He tucked the video away, decided to post it publicly when the time was right. Since the racial reckoning summer, many white teenagers were posting dance videos to school media no longer sing along with the slurs in the rap song. This is what separates us from Chinese. Well done, free media. I read that earlier. Miss Groves is among many incoming freshmen across countries. Their mission offers were revoked by at least a dozen universities after videos emerged on social media of them using racist language. Free country, definitely worth fighting for. One of Groves' friends, who is black, said Miss Groves had personally apologized for the video long before it went viral. Once it did in June, the friend defended Miss Grove online, prompted criticism from strangers and fellow students. They're supposed to educate people, she wrote in a Snapchat post. Not ruin their lives, all because you want to feel a sense of empowerment. For his role, Mr. Gallagher said he had no regrets. If I never posted the video, nothing would have ever happened, he said. And because the internet never forgets, the clip will always be available to watch. I'm going to remind myself you started something, he said with satisfaction. You taught someone a lesson. Inez Stepman. This is completely psychotic and likely done for the personal revenge of some kind. But sure, let's give it glowing coverage as a blow against the man in the pages of the New York Times. The white girl was clearly not racist, but the kid who ruined her clearly is. Dude is ashamed of his white father and seems to hold animosity towards right. Logan Hall. New York Times finds space on the website for a story about some ghoul trying to ruin a girl's life over a thing she said when she was 15. The Times is yet to cover news of Eric Solwell and Fang Fang. Nathan Snyder, the hero of the story, is the black friend. They're supposed to educate, not ruin them. Zim Minus. You can literally commit murder at 15 and may have less impact on your future than a three-second Snapchat video. And for some, this still isn't totalitarian enough. Uncomfortable Brian. The concept of justice gets warped more and more towards vengeance. People feel more and more the urge to see other people suffer at their hands rather than feel without any agency at all. The reaction of an angry child when not getting what it wants. Lashing out at destruction. And the last, Daniel Friedman. This article is going to be the top search result for Jimmy Galligan when he's applying for a job in a couple of years. That's the type of person he is. But they want vengeance. Time Magazine oversees the Great Reset. They see COVID as a way of destroying everything. And making it new. But the new is woke socialism. That's the new. To some other stuff. 
Guardian gaslighting. Liberal rag denies Trump's fans suffer in Hollywood. A new Guardian column begs belief. I don't know why they said beggar. Infinity culture war. What, What now for Trump's Hollywood supporters? From actor John Voight to Kirstie Alley, the Trump celebrity fans have declared war on the left and there's little sign hostilities will end soon. The premise is absurd considering how few Hollywood conservatives openly support anybody. But then they go on this piece and forget stuff like this. It is, it is the time that it is and, and uh, I don't know that I'm so much more motivated by necessarily the, where the world is or if it's just what I'm feeling called to do right now. I think it's a combination of both things and you know, uh, it feels like an important time for that. Um, and it, it is an authentic thing for me. And I, I, you know, that kind of a message, it might not be for everybody, but there's, there is a group of people for whom that message is designed. And, and I, it makes me, nothing fills my soul more than to think that maybe some kid watching that would, would say, hey, I, I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about Fran. Let me, let me, let me try that out, you know? That's like the only way I feel like I can repay what was essentially You remember what happened to him because he said that? Because he was religious? There's a reason people don't talk about being conservative in Hollywood. There's articles like this. Mark Hamill. So they grab the guardians from your movies. They use the force from our movies. Then they have the gall to just steal the logo from Star Trek. Let's file a three-way joint lawsuit and really nail these larcenous bastards. They're upset about Space Force. Logo. Olivia Munn. Happy Kamala Days. My new fave holiday shirt. Smart, strong women. Kamala la 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 la. She ruined sex. I hate that bitch. I hate him. Chrissy Teigen. GQ correspondent Julia Ihoff went off on a hypocritical liberals who spent months shaming regular lockdown weary Americans and science denying rubes who don't care about others. Julia Ihoff. I love seeing the same people who were like, oh my God, why do these hicks insist on going to church in the middle of the pandemic? Now posting pictures from their tropical vacations to poor countries. They don't have the health infrastructure to take care of the resort staff they infect. It's I'm one of the good guys syndrome on steroids. Loudly proclaiming your liberal values on social media or lawn signs doesn't magically exempt you from the rules or following public health guidelines that overwhelm healthcare staff are begging you to follow. It's a simple question, but it bears repeating. Just who do you think you are? No, I will not snitch tag, but my God, I'm getting close. She's looking at you, Chrissy Teigen. Chrissy Teigen. So I did this today and immediately fell out and healed for a second. She left because she did wrong. LLMO. A nose piercing. On a beach. On the beach. In her bikini on the beach. A bunch of pictures of her on the beach. Chrissy Teigen. Idea. COVID morning after pill. Like when that random ass person you barely know gets too close and you're like, hello, please get the fuck away. Also a vaccine. John Legend. 
this story for anyone even contemplating, considering, thinking, imagining, dreaming about going to church on Easter Sunday. And please send this to your older relatives who aren't on Twitter. Twitter. I say this as a pastor's grandson and a nephew. I know how hard it is for many churches to pay their mortgage and that most pastors aren't anywhere near rich and rely on the weekly offerings to make things work for themselves and their congregation. But do not go to church. Please stay safe as you can. There's still a deadly virus that thrives. Distance as much as possible and wear a mask. Protect yourself. And then he's bus-stomping people who dare not wear a mask and politicians that have R's behind their names. That's, that's, that's Hollywood. So to say people don't suffer because they don't think like you is comedic at best. Which takes us to R. This is America, the first one for 2021. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. Don't catch you slipping now. Look what I'm whipping now. This is America. Don't catch you slipping now. It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says, This is America. 2021. nine House Republicans defying President Trump tonight, joining with Democrats to override President Trump's veto of the $740 billion National Defense Authorization Act, a sweeping defense bill that also included a pay raise for the men and women risking their lives to serve our country. And still with me is retired Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Vindman. It has been a year since the president's impeachment, which really upended your career and life. Both, both you and your twin brother were removed from your posts at the NSC, and you ultimately left the army after intense pressure from the president and his allies uh, to deny your promotion to colonel. Given that everything you went through, um, did the top brass in the military do enough to support and protect you? The, the bottom line is, is no, they haven't. And I think in certain ways they probably have misrepresented um, the Secretary of Defense, a former Secretary of Defense, Esper, probably misrepresented the amount of uh, support I was receiving. At no point did any senior leader, uh, uh, civilian or military, uh, attempt to contact me and, uh, you know, indicate that, that, that I was still in good standing in the military. Um, certainly, after I left the White House, I had no contact with, with anybody that uh, could have indicated that you know I, my military career was would would move forward um, as normal. It's really disappointing to hear um, because you know you and I both as small children came to this country as political refugees fleeing the Soviet Union. Uh, you famously testified that your dad shouldn't worry about you telling the truth because quote here right matters. You know the last time someone questioned my loyalty or called me a Russian sympathizer was maybe in third grade. Yet you have President Trump and members of Congress questioning your loyalty after coming forward. Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn famously tweeted, uh, "Adam Schiff is hailing Alexander Vindman." 
Biden as an American patriot. How patriotic is it to badmouth and ridicule our great nation in front of Russia, America's greatest enemy? Um, she's not alone. Other members of Congress did the same. Trump may be leaving, but those lawmakers are still in office. So what is your message to other immigrants who may want to serve this country in some form of capacity and look at that and say, you were right and you were punished for doing the right thing and maybe here right doesn't matter. What is your message to them? Sure. So I think that in, in the end, uh, I have no regrets about how things turned out. Uh, yes, I, I left the military unforeseen. I had every intention of staying on, going on to war college. But I, I think my role may have been in certain ways more important in that I, I was able to uh, do my part, defend this nation in a very uh, meaningful manner and expose uh, corruption by the chief executive. Uh, and I, I feel in that regard that I've served my nation uh, and I've had the privilege to serve with countless military officers, civilian personnel. I think one of the, many of those folks were on display as witnesses in the impeachment hearings. And uh, the United States had a chance to see the excellence of, of these individuals. And that's what I kind of see uh, immigrants uh, latching onto, not the negative and the, the costs associated with this particular administration, this, this president, uh, who frankly acts more like a, 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 a child, uh, highly impulsive, uh, and you know the normalcy that people have, uh, have come to expect from our leadership. Uh, they see, instead, they see honorable service, people doing the right thing, Yes, there might be some costs associated with it, but you could move on, you could recover, and you could play your part in, in protecting this nation. Well, we appreciate them. We appreciate you and your service. Thank you so much, Lieutenant Colonel, for joining us tonight. Thank you and your family for the sacrifices that you have made, and we wish you all the best in the new year. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Bianca. Happy New Year to you. Yes, 2020, the year that we decided that if you're an officer in the Army, but you're a Democrat, you can be totally a douche nozzle. Just a douche nozzle. That was such bullshit. Everybody in the world knows it, except for the media, who love the guy. Our next soundbite, well, only took a fucking year. Well, four years. My good faith efforts at de-escalation have been met with ongoing violence and even scorn from radical Antifa and anarchists. In response, it will be necessary to use additional tools and to push the limits of the tools we already have to bring the criminal destruction and violence to an end. Lawlessness and anarchy come at great expense and with great risk to the future of our community. It's time to push back harder against those who are set on destroying our community and to take more risks in fighting lawlessness. In closing, once again, I condemn anyone who engages in violence or criminal destruction, no matter what their ideology. Yeah, it's been all along, you fucking dickweed. I mean, what the fucking fuck? These fucking people. Anyway, to get off politics and to close the show on a positive thing, um, it's taking me 45 minutes to reconstruct something, so I kind of got off rhythm there. 
The best Bears moment of the Aaron Rodgers era. You know, I started the season not watching because I truly think they're all a bunch of douche nozzles. But by midseason, my Packers stopped with the BLM shit and went back to playing football. They win tonight against the uh, Bears in Chicago. They will be the number one seed, which is very surprising if you followed the Packers draft, what they've been doing. So as my ducks have just laid a duck instead of an egg this year, my Packers, well, they got a shot at doing something incredible. So I could read you all the great moments and things that most of you don't care about because you're not Packer fans. Or I can just play one soundbite of a game that I will never forget. Gets out, floats it, Cobb! Touchdown, Randall Cobb! His second of the game. Joe, the defensive back sit at the markers for the first down. They're not anticipating that the Packers are going to try to go down the field. Chris Conti, you see it, he's jumping. He settles right at the first down marker, and Randall Cobb goes right by him. Give Aaron Rodgers some credit. He has Julius Peppers right in his lap. He's able to make him miss, and then finds Randall Cobb down the field. Big play for the Packers. Huge on fourth down. And now they'll go for two. They're going to go for two here. Good job that John Kuhn does coming over to help get enough, just enough of Julius Peppers off the edge and Aaron Rodgers then able to buy a little bit of time. Now on the back end, Chris Conti, as I said, he sits on the first down marker thinking that they're going to throw the ball short. They also could have gotten major right for pass interference on Jordy Nelson, but Cobb gets in behind it. And I got to tell you, Joe, that is not an easy throw. I clearly thought we were going to lose the game. I was in total shock that they pulled it off. And that's why I still wear an 18 jersey to this day. That play was amazing. So I hope tonight, uh, on this afternoon, I guess, my time, that we actually have some of those plays again. Because it would be really great to see. Really great. So this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Send comments to F-L-Y-O-V-E-R-P-O-L-I-T-I-K. Flyoverpolitik at Outlook.com. You get the show on SoundCloud, Podcast Attic, TuneIn Radio, Google. I want to say Google Play so bad. iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, Down in Pocket Cast, and YouTube. So remember to check out the Flyover Politic Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. And you can see the YouTube video, which will be done on every Sunday. For the podcast, our next podcast will probably be with my schedule. I got a crap load of stuff to do this week, the 7th of January, Year of Our Lord, 2021. And then we'll do a video podcast, or a vidcast as I'm calling them, on the 9th. So we'll go the 7th, audio, video on the 9th, until then. Per usual, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the AS. Spend some time with your family. Enjoy the winter weather because soon we'll be in spring. 
and tune back in Thursday for another exciting show. As always, thanks for listening. Take care. Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Twitter account at FopTonyReed and send suggestions or comments to email address F-O-P-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. Remember, the flyover states are the backbone of this country. Never fear flying your flag and standing tall. Ignore the media hate. Ignore the fascist coastal states. Try as they might to bring America down, the patriots of this country will never bow down.